0: We're back with Backstory. I'm Peter Ronoff. I'm Ed Ayers. And I'm Brian Ballow. We're marking the 150th anniversary of the Gettysburg Address by talking about American oratory, from the speeches that loom large in our memory
1: to the ones that just fade away. As always, we've been inviting your comments on the topic on our website, and we've got one of those commenters on the phone with us now from Paris, France. It's Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi.
2: So, a question for you. I was just at the uh, annual meeting of the Federation of Gay Games, and I had uh, several opportunities to speak, and each time I spoke, I was using a microphone. Mm. And whenever I use a microphone to speak, I start wondering, how did they do it before they had microphones? Mm. Uh, What was it like to speak to large crowds indoors, or even worse, outdoors? Without a microphone, without amplification, was the rhetoric different? Was the speaking technique different? Uh, was people's reaction different to to, yeah. to to that kind of speech without uh, amplification? Uh,
1: if you go back to some of the great speakers of the earlier period, good speakers could hold a crowd of several thousand, uh, and that was a, those were big, big crowds, and. I think the important thing is, one, uh, the 18th century was a quiet world. The ambient noise that we now take as normal did not exist. People were attuned to uh, listening more carefully. So uh, I, I, it's partly a technique. Uh, people were louder. I think the best way to think about this is to, to see the way theater, dramas were enacted in the early period— and it's loud. Uh, people are shouting. They they don't uh, pretend intimacy on the stage. They're pointing themselves out to the audience, and they declaim. Uh, all of that is now unfashionable because we want to create the pseudo-intimacy of being right there with you.
0: Yeah, Mark, I would say in the 20th century, the real breakpoint is not so much the amplification uh, through microphones and speakers. Uh, microphones were... Uh, invented in the late 19th century, but they were used primarily for things like telephones, not for public speaking. Uh, and presidents began to use loudspeakers, certainly by the teens and the 20s. But the real break was not uh, amplification for people who could see you. It was speaking to people who could not see you through so radio. recording. Uh, yeah, yeah. R- recordings through phonograph records, which uh, Taft used, uh, as they're always Taft, uh, and then radio. And the real breakthrough, uh, speaking of volume, uh, came when a president decided to get softer. Uh, and that exactly, was Franklin yeah. D. Roosevelt and his fireside chats. Mm. And he was the first to use this medium uh, to create a sense of intimacy. Mm, wow. And it's ironic that it would be getting softer, that seems to capture uh, the hearts and souls of millions of Americans during this,
1: this time of challenge and crisis uh, during the Great Depression. I think you're right about that intimacy business. The distinction between public speech and private speech is absolute in the early period, whereas now uh, we want to hear what somebody has to say wherever he or she is, and we have this notion that somehow they're communicating directly with us, but we know they're not, so it's all phony.
2: When I ask about a related question, it was kind of the, the opposite. Um, I imagine, like, the political stump speech, and I don't know, what, what was it called, the the whistle-stop tour, mm-hmm. where the I guess the same speech would be repeated over and over and over again, because it was perhaps the only way to reach large numbers of people is to speak to them yep. in succession in different places. Right. Um, and I guess that probably gave the opportunity to customize your speech to your
0: audience,
2: which seems impossible almost to do today, where you have, uh, you know, something that's supposed to be a a, a private speech, like uh, Mitt Romney's 47% comment, uh, becomes a message to everybody, despite itself. But in the past, when you had to repeat your speech, were they customizing it for different locations, different audiences?
1: I'd say to some extent, I think what's happening more often is that a repetition makes the speech seem spontaneous and natural uh, so that speakers don't rely on written texts. And they, they can improv a little bit. It's looser. And that can enhance that feeling of connection and and that uh, he is customizing his speech, even when he's saying the same old thing. So does this make it easier next time that you have to speak from a microphone that you can do
0: it in historical perspective where you feel <laughs> sort yeah. of... Uh, it,
2: just well, I'll be glad I don't have to shout, because well, I can't, I was I can't, say, I can't imagine how their voice didn't give out, you know, that I'm just uh, amazed that, that they, they, so the answer is they were speaking loud, and often for a long time, and often over and over again, and you know, I I, I guess it meant to be a politician, you had to be physically uh, tough.
1: Well, the only people who come close to that now are professional singers, opera singers. Uh, And uh, even if they are amplified, you want to create the impression that you're hearing the big voice. Uh, It's possible to have bigger voices than we do.
0: Yeah, and the only other example I can think of from today of constantly shouting is Chris Matthews on Hardball.
1: (laughs) Mark, thanks for calling.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.